Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts, and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan, and I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton, and it's my great privilege to talk with you uh, each weekday at this time. Today is Friday, November 20th, and um, our lectionary texts this week are on the theme of darkness and light. And so each day this week, we've been looking at a, a text with that theme. And I'm so glad to share one more with you now. Uh, our texts for today are Psalm 91, 2 Samuel 23, 1-7, and Luke 11, 33-36. And I'd like to read that Luke text with you now and think with you. Uh, think a bit about it with you. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar, but on the lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if it's not healthy, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, consider whether the light in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, with no part of it in darkness, It'll be as full of light as when a lamp gives you light with its rays. I have not sat long with this text before, but some quiet time and thinking about it, I found very rewarding the other day. The idea that eyes let in light and illumine our inner selves is an interesting idea. I know that there are philosophers who wonder about the phenomenon of, of consciousness and um, the reality that we sort of perceive ourselves as kind of within our bodies looking out at the world um, and how that came to be and, and all of that. It's an interesting idea, but we see little elements of that here, like that there's this reality outside of us and our eyes, at least in this way of understanding it, that our eyes are the things that admit that light inside and make it light for our inner being. And I don't often think of it that way, like I say, but, but the thought of how dark it would be if I could not see that part of the reality of, of those who are sight impaired, and again, differently depending on the level of impairment, right, is that it's not simply that I can't, couldn't discern things that I love. Uh, you know, I couldn't discern the people that I love, or I couldn't, you know, function in the world with the things that I need to, to be able to to see and that I'm used to relying on, that I have to find ways to adapt to that. That would be hard enough. But, but the idea that if my sight impairment were total, it would be dark all the time. And Jesus' command here, or his, his reminder, I guess, his warning, take care that the light within you is not darkness, is really sobering because what he's doing is basically saying, there's so much in you spiritually that depends on your ability to healthily receive light that is outside of you and admit that into your inner being. Does that make sense? Like often, again, we kind of, uh, maybe in a willpower-oriented society, we tend to think about how do I get up the willpower to do what's right? It, it resides within me. You know, I know what I should do, and it's just a question of will I do it? Will I put in the, the will I give it the willpower I need to just press through and do what I know is right? Will I put in the time and discipline to discipline myself so that it's easy to automatically do what's right? Will I do that or not? Is a question which we usually locate within us. But what Jesus seems to be saying here is, hey, 
there's something outside of you and you need to be at all times sensitive to it. And of course, his warning implies that there's a way that we can dull ourselves to that reality, become more and more insensitive to what's going on outside of us to the point where when that sensitivity is shut down, no matter what's living inside of us, it's darkness. Does that make sense? That there's, uh, that, that, um, no matter how good we've become, no matter all the right things we do, if there's a point where we stop sensing what's going on outside of us, the things that we need to receive which are not already in us, then we're not going to be living consistently with how God's made us to live. So how do we do that? I mean, that's a huge question, right? But it changes the way I think that we think about spiritual discipline. We don't think about spiritual discipline only as a way to train ourselves to kind of do what's right in a given moment and kind of automate ourselves towards doing good. We also train ourselves for the sake of remaining more sensitive to what God is doing in the world, right? Prayer and study and fasting and celebration and all these things, we train ourselves not only so that we can uh, be better and better at exercising our will, we also train ourselves to love the good so that we can more accurately and more sensitively discern the good that's outside of us so we can more easily discern the light that's outside of us when it shows up and appropriately discern it, filter it, and bring it into our beings. And that's a real problem, I think, in a self-centered culture. And I don't mean self-centered like we always, you know, want more and more stuff. What I mean is, like, we presume, um, we presume that each person is kind of a distinct self and that I need to do, that I know what's best for me, right? That I, you know, if someone comes along to me and says, Mike, you really should do this differently. Um, my first in inclination is resentment, defensiveness, right? Um, say, that, um, I mean, that's fine that you think that, but I know me better than you know me. And, uh, you know, this, this warning really chastens that, right? And saying, hey, your receptors, your eyes, your spiritual eyes need to remain sensitive to that. So that in that moment when someone sort of challenges you, pushes back, you got to say, all right, I'm ready to listen. Like, I'm going to use my eyes now to see what's out there. Something new has come into my field of vision. I might not accept everything, right? I'm not going to say, like, what everyone has to tell me is necessarily right about me. You could be just as wrong as I am about me. <laughs> but I need to make sure that my eyes are open and that they're working, <laughs> and that I, I can recognize good when I see it, that I can recognize light when I see it, because I want that light to be part of who I am. And I want it to be e easy for me to admit new light in. What a word that could be right now for a very polarized nation. I'm assuming most of you who are listening are Americans, maybe not all. Right, but that idea that maybe I have something to learn from others is a really challenging thought to American Christians right now. Most of us sort of presume ourselves to be the right ones, and if other people would just listen to us, we would be better. But instead, uh, you know, the focus Jesus has here, not on the mouth to speak what's inside of us and let it out, but the eye to sense what's outside of us and let it in, that's really chastening and challenging. Let me pray. God, we want to discern your good work in the world. We know that in the end, it would be very depressing if it was up to us to save the world from what was with what is already inside of us. We know that uh, we need you and we need new insight all the time into who we are so that we can follow you more closely instead of just following our own vain imagining of who you are. 
God, we can only do that if our spiritual eyes are healthy, if we're able to discern what's good and allow it in so that we can be full of light instead of opting for darkness instead. We pray, God, that you'll help us with that reality. That's a difficult thing. Make us willing to follow that and assure us of you, you going with us as we try to live in the world in that way which feels very sensitive and vulnerable. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, it's been wonderful to share with you this week about darkness and light. Um, I've decided that next week, during Thanksgiving week, we're just going to take the week off. Um, there are a couple days of classes here, but I just figure it's better to give us a day or a few days to just kind of uh, to, to not be recording and to just kind of give everybody a little downtime. So we will return not this following week, but the week following on November 30th. And just so you know what we will do with the last couple weeks of the semester, um, usually since we're together at that point, we take the first week of those last two weeks to focus on traditional Advent themes, themes of waiting, preparing ourselves for the coming of Christ. Um, then the, the second week, the week of December 7th, again, ordinarily when we're together, um, we, you know, we don't normally get to celebrate Christmas together. So even though it's before Christmas, we usually read texts related to the Christmas narratives on that last week of class. So we'll also be doing that the week of December 7th. We will read texts about the birth of Christ. And so the first week, again, November 30th, themes about waiting, and then December 7th uh, related to the birth of Christ. So I hope you'll go with us through that time. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving week, a good Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Travel safe if you're traveling. Don't do silly things like gathering together in large groups without masks. Um, we really, as a nation and as a world, uh, particularly as we can see the end of the tunnel coming with a very promising vaccine, we would like to lose as few people as possible and get as few people sick as possible. So stay safe and stay healthy and make good choices. And until we talk again, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.